All right, I think we're all back on. Um, do, do you, how many of you remember the old uh, lottery slogan? You can't win if you don't play. That's right. That was a genius marketing ploy, wasn't it? I, I mean, I, I rem- like you just were sitting down and you'd hear that, come on, you can't win. And, and just for a second, you'd go, oh, <laughs> Ooh. yeah. Maybe if I, maybe, because that, like, the idea is if you play, you will win if winning is the poorhouse. Because uh, for most of us, right, that's what happens. We play and then we, we don't win. But it was an ingenious marketing um, campaign because a lot of us dream of winning big. And, and it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's the lottery or Olympic hopes and, and, and dreams, if it's um, church team softball, we dream of, of winning big. And, and if you do play church team softball, you get used to losing really quickly. Uh, but next year, right, Jeff, next year will be better, let's hope. Anyway, <laughs> but you can't win if you don't play. You've got to get in there. You've, you've got to, to play. So we can apply that slogan to every other area of our life, really. And and, and I didn't ask him if this was okay, but I I hope Trevor will forgive me. Um, Our our son Trevor played the drums this morning. He has a a friend who uh, is is just, he's just one of those brainy guys. And, And Trevor enjoys playing chess. I do not enjoy playing chess. I do not play chess. Man, I know how to, no, I take that back. I, I can play chess. I don't really know how to play, play chess. Or if you ever played chess, you know that's right. Like you can play chess and not really play chess. So um, Trevor likes to, to play chess. It's way too brainy for me. And so I just, I want to blow things up and whatever. So I'm not into that. But um, he, he started a ritual recently where he every week goes to this really brainiac friend of his and they, and they play chess together, like for hours, just boring. <laughs> but but, he, but they, they, they love it and they play. And this guy that he plays against, he's one of those like really good guys and he like knows all of the little gambit things and all the stuff that you, you, you got to do. They went to high school t- together. This guy's like some engineer guy and we all know about engineers, right? <laughs> so, so they're playing, and and but look, Trevor, Trevor recognizes that if you if you don't play, you can't win. And I, you did beat him one time, right? I beat him like twice. Oh, twice. Twi- in the year they've been doing, he's beaten him twice. He drugged him beforehand, <laughs> but he did no problem. He did beat him, and and uh, and, and so that good, that's good. But look, like like he recognizes. You can't get better if you don't play. And, and especially in chess, you don't get better unless you play people who are better and you learn things and, and you grow through that, right? And, and so it's true of chess. It's true of diets. It's even true of, of exercise. So in August of 2020, I uh, went to Andrus. I remember I was, I was sitting in the bedroom and we were talking and I said, you know, 
I'm really frustrated with my, with my health. I just feel, I'm tired all the time. I'm just worn out. I just feel like just gross. I just, I got to do something. And so um, I started in August of, of last year, and I, I, I had a friend on social media who was doing some supplement things and was feeling good. And so, um, and so I tried those, and about a, a month or two into that, uh, I was feeling better. Like I felt like I had more energy and, you know, clarity and stuff. And so um, I decided I felt good enough to, to go to the Y, go to the gym. And so I started back um, in the gym about um, September or so, so uh, doing five days a week at, at the gym uh, with the intention of, you know, uh, building some muscle and, and, and getting, because I'm like, look, I, this has absolutely everything to do with the fact that last year in August, uh, in July, I turned uh, 49. And I knew what was going to happen in July of this year. And so I'm like, look, you can't win if you don't play. And I, it's not getting better for me. Uh, so I better do something about it. And so um, I, I've been really consistent uh, in, in getting close to a year now of, of going to the Y. Of course, until, you know, a couple months ago when I found I was having heart problems. And they said, like, don't do that until you get the pacemaker and, and whatever. But anyway, I was doing really, really, uh, really good. And so um, from the first week of September of uh, 2020, I was going to the gym and I was tracking my progress. So let me give you a few improvements. And I don't have weights in here because I want you to be impressed, <laughs> not depressed. Okay, so um, my bench press over the last year has improved uh, 260% increase in, in what I could bench press in September to, to now. Now, you, you don't have to clap because that's really... It's not that good. <laughs> uh, but my, my military press has improved 120%. Um, curls uh, improved 266%. And uh, my squats have gone up 111%, uh, percent, which ha- works really good when you start off with just the bar. <laughs> like everything else is improvement, right? So it wasn't quite that bad, but it was uh, close to that. Now, I, I, I recognize that I still haven't, reached my goals. Like when I started out, I wanted to bitch 250. Uh, I wanted to squat 300. I am not there. Uh, I'd like to say in part it was because I had to take time off because of the dumb heart stuff. But um, really, I, I rec- I'm recognizing that it, part of that has to do with diet. Um, and uh, we've been doing this big backyard makeover. And so I've been working outside a lot and just, uh, you know, sweating and just gross. And so I've missed a few days at, at, at the gym. Um, but, but I'm like, I'm, I know I'm going to, I'm going to get there because you can't win if you don't play. But, but what I want you to know today and what our bottom line is, um, for today is that strength comes through struggle. Strength comes through struggle. And it doesn't matter whether it's chess or it's uh, muscle mass or your relationships or discipleship, like discipleship meaning your discipline to look more like Jesus every day. You can't build strength without struggle. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And so over the last three weeks, we've been looking at Luke's account of the beginning of the church and in particular, the coming of Holy Spirit, this Holy Spirit that was talked about in the Old Testament and promised by God and then promised by Jesus. He said, unless I go, the Father won't send another helper to come and and be with you and be in you. 
And so the beginnings of the church and the Holy Spirit coming. This started with the disciples warming up, we talked about, by praying together while they were waiting for Holy Spirit to come. That's Acts chapter 1. And then Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost in order to bring about what God had begun a long time before. That's Acts chapter 2. And last week we talked about how Holy Spirit elevated everything in our lives, even the mundane events and tasks of our daily routine become significant because we recognize that even in those mundane moments, life change can happen. And so we recognize that those things happen. That's Acts chapter 3. Now these events resulted in the church beginning. Like we start to see these churches pop up in Jerusalem. And then we read about Luke's summary of the early church and what it was like at the end of Acts chapter 2. And then in chapter 3, Peter and John, they're on their way to the temple. Remember, it's the, it's the um, six, not ninth hour. It's the 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's late in the day, and they're on their way to the temple for evening prayer, and they see the man who'd been lame since birth, and they, and they heal him, Right? Peter says, I don't have any silver or gold, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus, get up and, and walk. And so in that power of Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, he brings healing and restoration to this man. Today, we're going to see what happens as a result of Peter's gospel presentation in the temple later that evening. So remember chapter 3, we didn't get to it, I don't think we didn't get to all of it, but Peter and John are going to the temple, they heal the lame man, then they go into the temple, and the lame man is with them, and and, and Luke says that he's jumping around, and he's praising God, and he's causing a a big scene, And, and remember, Peter takes the opportunity then, because there's a crowd that is gathered, just like on the day of Pentecost, and Peter delivers the gospel. He shares the gospel with the people. And then in chapter 4, we read what happens because of uh, Peter's gospel presentation. And so let's look at what uh, Acts 4 says. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. Now this is the night they were on their way into the temple. They were greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now, by the way, Sadducees were a sect of the religious elite in Jesus' day, and they did not believe in resurrection. So they did not believe that if you die, you come back to life. The Pharisees, who we talk a lot about in the New Testament, those were really the people that Jesus had the biggest problem with, they believed, in the, they believed that you could come back from the dead. So the Sadducees are the ones who don't believe that. Then they hear Peter and John saying, Oh yeah, Jesus rose from the dead. And they're like, wait a minute, we don't like that. They didn't like it that he was proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And so they arrested them and they put them in custody until the next day. For it was already evening. Remember, it was um, three o'clock in the afternoon. Evening was over. Day was over at six. But many of those who heard the word, so they heard the gospel that Peter had presented, they believed and the number of men came to about five thousand. Now this man who had been lame since birth is now jumping around in the temple while Peter and John present the gospel to those who had come to the temple that night to pray. 
And when the religious leaders hear about what's going on, they just, they're not just offended, they're angry. Because Peter and John are claiming something that totally undermines what the Sadducees believe. See, if Jesus rose from the dead, then the Sadducees' whole worldview and way of looking at what goes on, it goes out the window, right? Because they don't believe that can happen. So Peter and John are doing exactly what Jesus was doing. They're overturning the way that things have been for a long time. And they're like just lighting a match and like watching it, it burn. It's crazy. And so it's no wonder that these people are upset. They went to a lot of trouble to murder Jesus. And that was just like two months before this event. And now these followers of Jesus are healing people in the name of Jesus and claiming that Jesus had been raised from the dead. Now it's interesting to note that everybody knew, this is, this is important, everybody knew that Jesus was not dead, that he was alive. Like, I think we skip over it because we're churchy people, right? And we're supposed, that's just like, we just believe that. But Peter and John were presenting the gospel and the resurrected Jesus to the people who watched Jesus die and knew where he was buried. Thousands of people. We see 3,000 people come to Jesus on the day of Pentecost. And Luke says that that number has now grown to 5,000 just perhaps a few days later. And all of those 5,000 people probably saw Jesus die or knew somebody who did. And many of them probably knew some of the people who saw Jesus alive. And so when Peter and John get up and say, look, Jesus is alive, the people didn't go, no, he didn't. No, he isn't. We saw him die. They went, oh, yeah. My neighbor John was out in the whatever, and, the, and he saw him. Like they knew, like this is, this is big stuff, right? And so we have people now today who argue, well, maybe Jesus did come back. Maybe he didn't come back. Like the people who were there at that time who watched it happen understood and they knew Jesus was not dead. That's a, that's a big deal. And so the Sadducees, along with the religious leader and the temple guard, they knew Jesus was alive, and so their solution to pro stop this problem was to arrest Peter and John and put them in temple jail overnight. And it wasn't the healing that accept, upset the religious leader. Luke says, look, nobody can argue. This person is standing in their hole and we all know him. It was that Jesus' name was still being proclaimed. That was what set off the religious leaders. And just so you know, if you haven't had eyes to see uh, what's been going on in the world the last few years, Jesus' name is still causing problems today. You can do or say almost anything that you want in any other God's name. But if it's Jesus' name, the world doesn't want to hear that. And so the name of Jesus from very early on, before Jesus, the resurrection, the ascension, the world has tried to quit or to stop people from doing anything in the name of Jesus. 
And so it's not just the outcome. It's not just what happens. It's not just the life change and people being rescued from addiction and broken relationships and problems with their kids and families. It's not just the way that, that, that the Holy Spirit works in our lives and puts our lives and our families and our communities back together. It's that, it's the name of Jesus that brings about all of those things. That's what people don't like. And in Acts 16... It's the name of Jesus that causes demons to flee. And, and in, uh, Paul in Philippians 2 says that it's the name of Jesus or at the name of Jesus at which every knee will bow. But you see, evil doesn't want to submit to Jesus. The world will always be offended by Jesus' name. And as Christians, we need to just understand that that's the way it is. That anytime we present anything in the name of Jesus, there will be pushback and there will be persecution. Now, we may not be dragged out in the street and have our heads cut off like our brothers and sisters in other parts of the country, even today and yesterday and the day before. But we will be shunned. We will be unfollowed. We will be, at least try to be, silenced when we speak in Jesus' name. And I think the first followers even knew this. And that's why we read in chapter 4 just a little bit of their response. Look what um, they say. And when they had heard it, this is the, the, um, the, the people, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. Anointed, that's the word Christ. It means king, anointed one of God. And so even the very first followers understood that the Old Testament prophesied that when the name of Jesus was proclaimed. And when people stood up and they began to gather and they began to see lives changed in Jesus' name, they were going to face persecution. And the people outside of the church, that's Gentiles, non-Jewish people, when they saw what was going on, they were going to plot together. And the kings of the earth were going to set themselves up together against God and specifically against Jesus. The early followers understood that the world is always going to hate the word of God. But something was different about the followers of Jesus in that day. Because they didn't respond to the persecution like everybody expected them to. See, when Holy Spirit came, he brought power for the followers Right? It's Acts 2, that's what we see. Holy Spirit comes, and then all of a sudden Peter and John are, are healing people, and they're presenting the gospel. The Spirit brought power for the followers, but also persecution. So wherever Holy Spirit is present, wherever the name of Jesus is being proclaimed, there's going to be persecution of some sort or another. And I think the reason is because power makes people nervous. Many people are either fighting to get power, right? They're, they're fighting to gain power or they're fighting to keep power. 
Oh, we don't have to look um, very much farther than uh, D.C. probably. <laughs> right? I mean, you're either in power and you're trying to keep it, squash everybody else and keep power for yourself, or you're the one trying to gain power and overthrow the other people. And so the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they were fighting to keep power. It's part of the reason they killed Jesus. He was shifting the balance of power. And so they fought to keep their power by breaking their own rules. Does it sound like anybody you know? Breaking their own rules in order to get what it is that they wanted. And so they fought to keep their power by breaking their rules and killing Jesus and then trying to strong arm Jesus' followers to keep them quiet. No, you can't talk about that. It's the funny thing about Jesus' followers, though. Um, Followers aren't after power. We're after people. At least we should be. If we're being disciples, if we're following Jesus, we shouldn't be after power. We should be after people. And, and this is the important thing. And I think it goes all the way back to what Jesus began to say when he first began to teach and preach. We're not trying to start a revolt against the powers that be. We're trying to start a revolution of repentance within the hearts of people. This is the reason Jesus said, that his kingdom was not of this world. That's why Jesus did things that were completely unexpected. And, and nobody, like, oh, I can't believe he's doing that. He's like, look, it's not about gaining power and position in this world. It's about the kingdom to come. My kingdom is not of this world. Why would I fight to keep it? It's why I think we don't find Jesus weighing in to politics. Right? You think about it. He doesn't talk about like We're like, Jesus, we want you to address the things that we're dealing with and we want to know about, and he just doesn't talk about it. He doesn't talk about the kings of his day who were on the wrong side. Like, like Herod was the king of Israel at the time. He was only half Jew, and that means that half of the people, like every politician, hated him, and the other half loved him. If you had power, you loved him. If you didn't have power, you hated him. And yet Jesus never talks about Herod. He talks about the religious, but he doesn't talk about Herod. Jesus understood where his focus was, the kingdom to come, not the kingdom that was here. He was more concerned about what God wanted in the world than just what we want. Better, more interested in the kingdom of God than the kingdom of men. And his followers then followed suit. That's why you couldn't threaten the followers of Jesus back in the day because they counted their lives worth nothing except that they would just follow Jesus. Do to me whatever you want to do. I'm going to do what Jesus wants me. Paul said, if they kill me, I get to go to heaven. I get to go be with Jesus. I get to go be with, with my friends and these guys that I, that I love. I get to hang out with Moses and Elijah and, and Noah. I get to talk to all of those guys. If you kill me, it's party time. But if you let me live... I get to keep looking like Jesus and telling other people about Jesus and filling heaven with people who love Jesus. 
And so whether I live or whether I die, Jesus wins. And so you couldn't threaten him. And so look, look, look what happens. Acts 4, uh, 5 to 7. On the next day, so uh, Peter and John have been taken prisoner by the temple guard because they were presenting the gospel. They were teaching about Jesus. They're put in jail overnight. The next day, the rulers and the elders and the scribes, they all gather together in Jerusalem with Annas and the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander. Now, these people are all related, right? Because people in power typically like to bring their family into power. And so these people are all related to one another so they could maintain power over uh, time. In fact, Annas was the high priest. Uh, I think I got this right. Annas was the high priest at the time. Caiaphas was his father-in-law. And so they're both mentioned there. And so uh, Annas, uh, it was a good son-in-law, hint, hint. And so he did everything that his father-in-law wanted him to. Okay. All who were of the, okay, high priestly family. There it is. And when they had set them in their midst, I mean, they call Peter and John into the Sanhedrin, the ruling uh, council of the religious leaders. They inquired, by what power or by what name did you, did you do this? Now, it's here that once again, after this question, Peter presents the gospel. And so you can read about that in the next several verses. Um, There's a kingdom, and and it's God's kingdom, and Jesus is the king, and you crucified him, but God raised him from the dead. Those are the four pillars, the four foundational elements of the gospel. There's a kingdom, Jesus is the king, he's the crucified king, he's the resurrected king, and he's still king, and it's only through him or faith in him that you can have real life. Repent, believe, follow. And so Peter presents the gospel once again. And as you can imagine, that made them um, very angry. And so here's what happens next. What do we do with these men? Like these people won't shut up about Jesus. What do we do? That a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Like everybody knows what's going on. And we can't deny it. Imagine having that conversation. I think that conversation probably happens in the back rooms of a lot of places in our country today. We know this is going on and we can't deny it. How do we spin it to make it work for us? That's what's going on. But in order, they said, that it may spread no further, like we don't want anybody else to know about this, let us warn them not to speak anymore to anyone in this name. And so they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Now, the religious leaders are trying to uh, flex their power, right? Their religious muscle in the world in order to intimidate the followers of Jesus to to keep them quiet, right? And if they can get Peter and John to be quiet, they know they can pretty much get anybody else to get to be quiet. But but remember, it's difficult to threaten a follower of Jesus because if we die, we get to be with Jesus. If we live, we get to be like Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So um, look at at the next uh, bit, 29 to 31. So uh, they tell them, don't talk about Jesus anymore. And um, that doesn't work out so well. And they go back to the rest of the followers, the rest of the believers. and, And here's what happens. They pray together. 
And now, Lord, look upon their threats, the religious leaders, and then grant to your servants to continue to speak. We, we know we've been told to shut up. We know we've been told not to preach or teach in the name of Jesus anymore. And so enable your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness. And while we do that, you stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. That's the one they said, don't talk about him. And the, and the followers are going, look, God, as the name of Jesus is proclaimed, you show up and you heal and you stretch out your hand to perform these signs and wonders. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Does that remind you of anything? A couple chapters ago in Acts 2, the place where the believers were and they were play, praying, they were waiting for Holy Spirit, and when he came, the place was shaken. And they were all filled again with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And so here's what we need to take away today. In the face of persecution, the early followers prayed for determination, not deliverance. In virtually every other area of our lives, we realize that determination helps us reach our destination. But it's interesting to me that when it comes to matters of faith, we often ask God to deliver us out of the very struggles that develop our faith. When we begin to, we get to butt up against those struggles, right? Maybe it's financial struggle, maybe it's relational um, struggle, maybe it's a, a, a job and a, a, a hourly like struggle they want you to come in on Sundays or whatever we butt up against the struggles in our lives and we take this kind of spiritual approach and we go God take this like remove this struggle from my life God I need give me more money give me better relationship give me more stability Christians we always pray for stability in our lives but those struggles that we face they're the things that cause us to trust God even more than we trust the world or we trust our own understanding. If God always took us out of every struggle that we face, if he delivered us from every struggle, we would never develop the faith that we need to face the struggles that our adversary places in our path. Do you think about that? Like, look, again, we recognize in every other area of our life, if there's no struggle, there's no strength. And then it comes to faith and we go, oh, God, please rescue me. <laughs> I get, you know, I'm getting pushed back from work and they tell me if I don't come in on Sunday, I'm going to get fired. Or uh, I'm in this relational thing and there's tension, there's struggle. I don't have enough finance. I want to follow you, but I'm, I'm struggling. And so, God, rescue me. Give me more. Give me better. Give me stability. And even in, in my own life, there have been times where I have just like <laughs> full-on whined to God about what I was going through. And I, I pulled out the big guns, right? I'm like, God, like I'm doing what you want me to. 
I'm preaching, God, I'm doing this, and I'm struggling, and you're not doing what you're supposed to. It's too much. I can't handle it, God. Rescue me. Deliver me. And in every case, when that deliverance hasn't come, the result has been greater faith. Greater faith, greater trust that God will see me through. And so what happens in the midst of those struggles as believers, as God, as God gives us strength to make it through the struggle, instead of delivering out of it, we come out of that and we go, God, if you saw me through that, you could see me through this. God, I, I know because I watched you work in my son or my daughter's life and bring them back to faith or rescue them out of that addiction or struggle they were in or that relationship they were in. And so because I saw you do that, I believe you for this. And so when we go through those struggles, it builds our faith and our trust in God so that the next time we face a struggle, we can face it more like David, King David, who was like, no matter what comes and no matter what I face, whether it's good or bad or indifferent, I'm going to trust in God. And my faith and my hope is going to be in God. But going through times of struggle is never easy, but it is always worth it if it develops in you the determination to keep going no matter what. And sometimes that's all that keeps us going, right? As followers of Jesus, we just go, I'm going to hold on to you, God, because there isn't anything or anyone else to hold on to. The followers prayed, look, Look upon their threats. What they were praying was this, God, take notice of what we're going through. God, I want to make sure that you're aware of what's going on so that you don't let us go through this alone. Instead, they prayed, give us strength to continue and boldness to share the gospel even in the face of this persecution. And while you are doing what only you can do, God, healing people, performing signs and wonders through the name of Jesus, help us to do what you have put us here to do. Those early followers didn't pray for an end to their persecution. They prayed for the energy to persist in spite of that persecution. And if you keep reading Acts, you'll find that this persecution that begins in Acts 4 continues through the rest of the book. And it doesn't just continue, it intensifies. In fact, by the time we get to the end of Acts and, and Paul has made it all the way uh, to Rome, persecution has broke out around the world against people of faith. But something interesting happened. The greater the persecution of the early church and followers of Jesus, the greater and the faster the spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth. And there is a direct correlation even today in parts of the world where being a Christian and having faith in Jesus is detrimental to your health and your life where there is greater persecution in the world, there is greater faith 
There is a greater uh, sharing of the gospel. There is a larger number of people coming to faith in the midst of persecution than when there is no persecution or little persecution. And so in this country, we are um, not persecuted. I mean, there are a lot of, yeah, <laughs> there are a lot of people who, who are like, oh my goodness, I'm persecuted. <laughs> no, no, we're not persecuted at all. <laughs> we, don't, we don't face persecution. Here's how we know. Other countries where they are being persecuted and killed for their faith, those people send missionaries to us so that we might know Jesus. Because those first followers didn't ask God to protect them from persecution, they asked for the power to withstand it. We're here today. Because they didn't give in to that persecution, but they said to God, look, you do what you can do. Help us to continue to speak with boldness in the name of Jesus. That's why we're here. They understood that strength is developed best through struggle, that deliverance from struggle actually moves us further from our destination, that persecution is part of the process and that strength comes from struggle. And the result of that early persecution was that the church went from 120 to 3,000 to 5,000, and then in a relatively short period of time to tens of thousands as it rapidly spread around the world. Because of some of those first followers fled the persecution in Jerusalem, they took the gospel message to every town they traveled to and every city that they settled in. And so later in the book of Acts, when you read about the apostles, Paul and Peter, James and John, as they, as they go out to, to go and spread the gospel, they come to these cities they've never been in, and there are already house churches there. Because as the persecution broke out in Jerusalem, these young followers spread out across the world, and they shared the gospel with boldness. If we lack determination in the face of struggle, We'll never become the disciples the Father needs in order to help every person possible find real life in Jesus. And every time we're delivered from our difficulties, we get further away from our destination. As we move into our new series, uh, beginning next Sunday, brand new series called Everyday Disciple. We're going to need boldness like those first believers as we learn to walk as followers of Jesus in tangible ways through our daily lives. We're going to need determination to step out of our comfort zones in order to invite others into relationship with Jesus. And, and so as we wrap up this short <laughs> four-week, four-chapter study in the book of Acts, I hope that as we go through this week, keep a couple things in mind. See your struggle as an opportunity to develop, to develop your faith strength. Instead of just asking God to deliver you out of your struggles and, and troubles and whatever's coming, just God, give me the strength to stand up through it. Give me the strength to continue. Instead of giving in, press on. Instead of stopping, start again. And if you recognize you, you fail, 
just go, ah, I blew it, (laughs) and get back on the wagon, right? Just keep going and trying. Instead of making excuses, make a plan. Let the struggles that you you face give you strength. Let them give you strength. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for loving us and thank you that you haven't left us on our own, that you give Holy Spirit to us to be in us and work through us, to give us eyes to see and ears to hear, not only what you're doing, but the strength to stand up in the midst of struggle. God, help us to be a people that doesn't shy away from that struggle, but runs to it doesn't ask for deliverance out of our trouble, but asks for boldness that we might continue to stand up and proclaim the name of Jesus, no matter what the threat is out there. Because we know that if we die, we get to be with Jesus. And if we live, we're going to strive to look more like Jesus. And so Jesus wins no matter what. God, we can talk about this all day and we can feel really good about it right now. But tomorrow, some of us are going to go to work in jobs that are not Jesus-friendly. We're going to be around people who don't share our um, ideas and and our hopes and our faith. And there might be some who tomorrow or the next day or later this week find themselves in a situation where life is pressing in on their faith. I pray that you would give them strength to continue and to be bold, to stand up for the name of Jesus. Help us all to do that, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? And why does it matter? How do we live out being followers of Jesus, prompted and empowered by Holy Spirit in the daily spheres of our lives? That's what we're going to be talking about in our new series starting next Sunday. The important concept of discipleship and how it affects our work and our life and our neighborhoods and our social media presence and and, and even in social circles. And so in cooperation with that new series uh, starting next week, Amber and I have developed a family devotion book to go along with that, with that new series. And so you'll be able to pick those up out in the lobby next Sunday. They're good for families or for individuals or for, for couples or whatever your situation. We hope that you're gonna grab one of those. There's a, uh, a short, short reading section and some questions to answer uh, on the Sunday about the topic that we're gonna be talking about in church. There are daily, uh, short daily readings with some questions about discipleship and things that you can go through as a couple or on your own or maybe with a friend. Uh, and then Amber is working on a kid's part of that, where if you have children, you can work through that uh, kind of thing with them, and it'll go along with each day that we're going to be looking at. So we're super excited to share that resource uh, and that time with you. We'll have those available next week. And then on August 14th and 15th, where are we going to be? At camp. That's right. We're going to be at church camp. And so um, we'll have those books there and and there'll be time Sunday morning for you to get together with your family and to go through that process with them before we uh, go to church on Sunday 
um, morning. So we'll have those available next Sunday and each Sunday after that through the series. Hope that you'll join with us. Uh, love you. Thanks you for being here. Uh, be strong in the Lord this Sunday or this week. All right. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to Real Life Live. Our hope and prayer is that the time you've spent with us has left you encouraged and challenged in your faith. It may have also left you with some questions or maybe wondering how all this faith stuff works. So we want to help you with that. Head over to reallifecc.us for a few different ways we can connect. We're thankful you joined us today and want to extend an invitation for you to join us in person at our current home in El Dorado, Kansas at the Civic Center, 201 East Central on Sundays at 10 a.m. We hope you'll keep tuning in and growing in your faith to look more like Jesus every day. See you next time.